Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Looks like it's going to be a decent day outside. The weather should be decent. Um, Pretty much normal temperatures. Then it's tomorrow that we're going to go a little crazy. We're supposed to get some rain on Monday. Never discount rain. We Every drop will take it. However, a heavy-duty front is supposed to come through. And by heavy-duty, I mean wind gusts to 40 miles an hour is what they're reporting. 40 miles an hour. Those of you who are still covering plants, um, doesn't matter what the plant is, you're going to have to lock down your covers. If you're using just frost cloth, you better have some heavy-duty rocks holding it down and have it attached really well. Because 40-mile-an-hour breeze uh, your lawn furniture will get blown around. And I don't particularly want to head out in the cold, in the rain, being blown around trying to pick up my frost cloth, which is acting like a sail. Um, no. That's, that's really intense wind. They're saying that these winds will start early Tuesday morning. So that means most of us are back to work. So that means you're going to come home from work. It's going to be kind of dark, cold, dreary, and this heavy, heavy wind. So take advantage of today being a reasonable day. And get out there and make sure that you're prepared, that your tools, lawn furniture, the things you're using to cover your plants, make sure that they're going to be anchored and can handle a 40-mile-an-hour breeze. Hmm, breeze. Uh, that's going to that's gonna ruin your day in a hurry. Those of you who have uh, trellised, plants they're really going to be ripping through the trellis so hopefully your trellises are in the ground good and sturdy that you are not going to have a problem there and i'm thinking that people may have peas or snow peas on trellises right now They generally don't need super tall trellises, which will make it easier to keep them attached to the ground, but they're going to have these big sails, basically. They're going to be blowing wind very hard into your plants, into your infrastructure of your garden. You're also looking at issues With this kind of wind speed, you're also looking at issues of broken branches. 
trees, shrubs, things like that. 40 mile an hour is a breeze. That is, that is a gust and um, hopefully your trees are not gonna be bothered by this. I say that hopefully. Um, we don't we don't know which direction they may come from or when they cussed or the things that'll really ruin your day. But these kind of storms, they happen. We don't need an ice storm or super freezing temperatures to to have to be concerned about what the weather will do to our gardens. Now this kind of wind, uh, cedar is already being reported as high, though they say it's starting to uh, back down a little. This kind of wind is going to blow dust and pollen and mold all over the place. So we're gonna have a couple of days of sneezes, watery eyes, things like that. So take your medicine ahead of time to help control how bad, how bad that could be. Wow, really heavy gusts, above 40 mile an hour gusts. That's quite the breeze. What about your plants? Well, if they are a low growing plant, strawberries, spinach, lettuce, maybe even broccoli, cabbage, and cauliflower, you may tear a couple of leaves, maybe. But if you're talking a plant on a trellis, well, you gotta hope the trellis stays up. And if you're talking about plants that you are covering, let's say you got super fancy and you got a bunch of PVC and made a hoop house, attached your frost cloth to it, so, you know, it's, trying to preserve as much heat as it can. All it needs is for the wind to get under it a little bit, to lift it up and suddenly your neighbors have your frost cloth and hoop house rather than you having it. Take the time, folks. Take the time. It, it's, today's gonna be a great day for it uh, to get out there and uh, anchor that stuff to prepare yourself for the wind. Of the disasters we could have, from flash floods to ice storms to super cold, wind is kind of a silent one, no pun intended. It can sneak up on us and you, you wind up not being prepared for it. So take today to make sure that what you got out in your yard won't wind up in the neighbor's yard or further down the street. It will be some serious, serious wind gusts. So we wanna we wanna be aware of that. So I don't have anything out that I'm concerned with. 
I don't have any trellises that uh, aren't secure. They've already handled this kind of wind. So I don't have to deal with those. And I don't have any frost cloth anywhere. I don't have any kind of cover like that. I do have some buckets of various sizes and some big rocks. I can cover some of my plants put a, with a bucket, put a rock on it. It isn't going to blow anywhere. And it will keep my stuff going. Right now, I don't have a lot of that to worry about. But I'm ready. I'm ready. And I understand how bad the wind can be. It could really be ripping through here. My trees are trimmed up pretty nicely. I don't have any obvious breaks in them. But after 40 plus mile an hour gusts, I'll have to go back out there and check to make sure I didn't get something cracking or breaking because of this kind of breeze. I'm hoping for the best. We've had an incredibly mild start to the year so far. I really wish we would keep going. Really wish we could get some more rain. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, I need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Looks to be a nice day outside today. I mean, it's going to be 60, but that should be good. A sunny day. Get outside, get some of the work done that you have to do on your garden. And again, remember, really, really windy coming. So anchor everything down that may wind up being part of the neighbor's property. Uh, it is a good time to do it. Now, I, I don't really have any wind issues. I may have some lawn furniture that I'm going to uh, secure, make sure that it's not going to be blowing all over the place. But that's really about it. Um, even my garbage cans are in a bit of an alcove, so the wind won't bother them. However, uh, because I don't have that got to go out and should take care of it today while it's nice, I actually have a different task today. I have to take down my Christmas tree. The only reason it was up is because my granddaughters showed up after Christmas together to stay with us, and we left it up for them. A two-year-old and a three-year-old, come on. Every day's Christmas to them. So I've got to take it down and pack it up. Yes, I have an artificial tree. Those of you with real trees... <clears throat> your local community is probably going to accept real trees and grind it into mulch, which is used in your community's parks to help clean up the park, to help do uh, fertilization and good mulching of your park uh, system. That's good. So if you've got a real tree, don't 
throw it in the trash. Get it to these places that'll grind it for free. And one of the nice things about it is after every Christmas and they get these all ground up, uh, usually there's some excess that for a very small fee, usually just the fee of loading your vehicle, you can pick up plenty of mulch for you to use. Uh, I, I love the ones, I love the deep wood cycle, deep woods recycling here in Round Rock. Uh, great people who clean up all of this trash, make it available to us. It's a great way to reuse nature if you don't have the ability to get that kind of mulch. The Round Rock system, they have a pretty fine grinder, very probably nothing bigger than two inches, which makes for a great grind for using for a mulch feel fortunate to have those guys there and it is a good way it is a good way to recycle just remember get your lights get your ornaments all that off the tree and make sure you don't have any cats in the tree when you drop it off all right uh that seems to have been common this this uh christmas season the cat's knocking over the trees or being up in the trees. So just make sure when you take your tree to get ground up that you have removed all cats for the safety of the folks at the recycling place. Now, what are we doing this time of the year? Well, a quarter inch of rain, that's a about what they're projecting um, on Monday for where I live. Some places can get up to an inch. That's pretty good. Cool weather, not such a demand for water, and a pretty nice basic rain. Not enough rain. We need rain like that every day for, gosh, a month to get caught up because we're in a drought yet, folks. Seems kind of strange, right? But we are still in a drought. And um, that is just beating our landscapes the death that is that is so hard on our trees on our shrubs even the wildflowers this year may not be a very good year in terms of blue bonnets because we haven't been getting the rain that we really need to get them to bloom. When we get a moderately wet, moderately wet winter, we tend to have a uh, decent blue bonnet wildflower season. So not sure what we're looking at. It would be great 
it would really be great if we could start getting if we could start getting more consistent more consistent rain it doesn't look like that's going to happen i wish it did so we still have to look carefully go out there check the soil and see if you have to provide water because that's the only way we're we're going to get through this drought now the hope is that the drought does break before hot summer comes on um and summer's going to be hot. We have not been cooling off. So we need to be prepared for it. Start working on your soil. From soil activator to compost tea to molasses, all of those products will help you build back your soil that will become more of a sponge. So when we get rain, even though it may not be a lot, more of it will soak in the ground and stay on your property. That's, that's the best thing you can do. It's possible to go out and get a rainwater collection system from buckets to big containers, you know, a thousand gallon storage. But the best rainwater storage is keeping it in the soil. You want to make it so that when it rains, that it doesn't run off. If your soil has got a good tilt and texture to it, when it rains, especially these quarter inch rainstorms, uh, all of that will soak in nice and slow, will drive down deep and you won't have runoff on your property. You'll be able to see it rain and go directly into the soil. That's the goal. And now is the time to get that ready with things like liquid molasses, uh, soil activator, compost tea, all the products that build up the soil. Super easy to apply. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're at the bottom of the hour. We'll need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Hey, good morning, folks. Um, It's going to be kind of wild weather the next few days. What are we going to do? So if you are, if you are not um, putting plants in the ground this weekend, work on that soil, soil activator, molasses, compost tea, those kind of things build up that soil biology. 
because it's going to be cooler. This is a good time to go and check how much compost you have around your trees and shrubs and in your flower beds. This is a good time to put down new. The rain will cause the nutrients in the compost to leach into the soil nice and slow. And that builds up the organic matter. And the more organic matter, the more the soil biology expands. And doing that provides um, a tool that converts nutrients into usable forms for the plants. Um, it provides a tool to break up bad soil. Like get a lot of clay, that soil biology will slowly break it down. Um, adding compost to poor soil like that uh, will make it hold water better and drain better. I know that's kind of weird. I needed to do two things at once, two opposite things at once. That's what the compost and organic matter will do for you. Now, it's been kind of cold. Actually, it's been fairly cold. So we should have minimal, minim, minimal, sorry, bug issues. That doesn't mean they're non-existent. But the cold weather will bring out a different kind of pest than you would see in the summer. This is a great time to garden because of that. We will have fewer pests. It also means they're easier to treat. Folks, let's go to the phone. This is Scott. Scott, what can I help you with? Good morning. Yes, sir. Um, I have a couple of questions. Uh, I have uh, St. Augustine grass. I've determined that I have a fungal patch in terms of what's going on with that. Um, so I wanted to find out the best way to address that. I also am looking at where um, aeration of the soil fits into some of the things that you were talking about earlier. I got half of what you were talking about, about molasses and soil activator. And then I thought it, you said compost tea, but I wasn't sure. Yes, compost tea, aerobic compost tea. There are nurseries who sell it, and there are also uh, easy ways for you to produce your own compost tea. So uh, a, a, a quick uh, search in your favorite search engine, and you will get overwhelmed with ways to make your own. And it's usually not an expensive proposition to create it with ways to make your own. As for, uh, as for your St. Augustine, one thing that will help it quickly is you can get, depending on the size of the patch, go to your favorite nursery get a bag of a good quality compost and spread that compost out over that patch. 
only needs to be uh, half an inch thick at max. So one bag will cover something like 16 square feet, maybe more. And that will help fight the fungus that could be there. One thing you got to know about that fungus, though, is what kind is it? Is this area a place that tends to stay wet all the time? Because that could be a completely different fungus than other ones that can attack your turf. But the compost will be one of the quickest ways to improve that bad patch and make it look good again. Scott, you there? I think we lost him. Most of you with St. Augustine right now are probably seeing some ugly places. St. Augustine goes dormant, so it will look bad anyway. I mean, it will have brown patches in it sometimes because that's dormant. Now, the roots are growing, but the grass isn't growing, if that makes sense. So you're getting the roots and they're starting to expand into the soil, which we want, but it won't be green. And there are several funguses that really affect our turf grasses. Brown patch, which a lot of times you'll get people who say, oh, that's brown patch, and they just kind of wave it off. Well, there's some questions there. Brown patch is something that occurs when it's wet. So if you've got a spot that is brown, doesn't look great, um, is it an area that doesn't dry out? Does it tend to get wet and not drain well or stay kind of soggy? Then there's the possibility that that is brown patch. If it is a patch where it's good drainage, it's not staying wet, that could be something called take all root rot. That's a little different, but both of them can be not corrected, but improved through the use of a top dressing of a compost. Scott, I see you're back. What can I help you with? So I, I got a good part of what you were saying in terms of making the distinction between a brown patch that was due to overwatering, and then you said something else that I didn't quite catch. My other question had to do with soil aeration at this time. Ah, the, what soil aeration does is if the soil is really compacted, you know, if it's kind of dense, Soil aeration with a plug aerator, one that pokes a hole in the ground and pulls out the soil that is right there. When you do that, you relieve the tension within the soil. That lets it absorb water better. That lets you get your nutrients, whether it's molasses or fertilizer, deeper into the soil. And the little plug that it pulls out, it may leave those on the top of the turf, 
you can rake those up if you wish, but they usually kind of dissolve with the first rain. So they'll disappear on their own. But the idea of the aeration is to provide a pathway to the deeper roots for water, for oxygen, for nutrients, and promote good root growth that way. So that's what we're doing when we're aerating. Is this the best time to do that or does it matter? You know, um, if you can get aeration to your lawn once a year, that really helps. More frequently than that, that's up to you. It's a good time of the year to do it because the machine that you can rent to do the aeration um, is kind of a sort of a monster. So with this cooler weather, it's easier on you to do it now. And it's not a real big deal to your turf. They, they will accept the aeration, whether it's now or late spring when it's a little warmer. It's just that you don't want to do it in the heat of the summer because it's a lot of work. And doing it now is, uh, makes it a little easier. Well, thank you for your call. Thanks for the, yeah, thank you for the call, Scott. Uh, folks, I need to take a quick break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> I got texted a question of, what are what are the benefits, proper way to use diatomaceous earth? Okay, diatomaceous earth is um, a collection of diatoms. They're little critters that live in the ocean, and they tend to be microscopic and they have a very hard outer shell. This outer shell, when the diatoms die, they get collected out of the water, filtered out, they dry out and what you get is this powder. Now, if you or I were to grab this powder and rub it between our fingers, it feels like flour. It's no big deal. However, at the microscopic level, all of those diatom shells, that outer uh, exoskeleton of them, is now broken and very sharp edged. So what DE does is you can dust your plants with diatomaceous earth, and when insects, particularly hard-shelled insects, like leaf-footed bugs and beetles and things like that, walk through it, it gets in their joints, and as they move, the diatomaceous earth 
cuts open the bug exoskeleton. What happens then is they don't have platelets like we do. If we get a cut, we bleed for a minute and we stop. The bugs get a cut and they leak out. They leak out all of their fluids. So basically it desiccates them. Now diatomaceous earth can be dusted, excuse me, directly onto plants. You can use diatomaceous earth, let's say you're a seed saver and you have uh, little jars maybe, maybe you put your seeds in mason jars. You can sprinkle some diatomaceous earth in the mason jar, shake it up a little bit, and what it'll do, it'll prevent weevils, uh, insects that will eat the seeds, it'll kill them. So it's a good thing to use when storing seeds. Some people will um, rub diatomaceous earth into the skin and coat of their pets, especially pets that are outside. This will help break, uh, cut up and kill fleas and flea eggs. Now, there are several kinds of diatomaceous earth. Swimming pool grade, like you would put in a pool filter, is not one you would want to use for bug control. The way swimming pool grade diatomaceous earth is made is it's kind of heat annealed. So it works as a filter, but they kind of smooth out the sharp edges on it, which defeats its purpose, which defeats the purpose of killing the bugs. So you want food grade diatomaceous earth to use it for pests. And it can work very well. The only problem with it is, if you go to the trouble to dust your plants to get rid of certain bugs, especially hard-shelled bugs, the minute it rains, it'll rinse it off. And you'll have to go back and apply it again. So. Watch your weather report before going out there and putting it on your plants. Number two, it is not very effective against caterpillars or aphids. It can work well against scale because scale has a hard exoskeleton. Aphids do not. So it doesn't bother them. Now, it will work against ants and you can use it to really knock back ant mounds. For those of you dealing with leaf cutter ants, it is a safe way to try to get rid of them. Doesn't always work, but it is something that you can use. Let's go to the phone. This is Lee. Lee, what can I help you with? Yeah, I just want to give you an update. I called you about three weeks ago, and I told you about my plants. I was watering, singing to them, taking care of them. They weren't doing anything. And uh, it was about three weeks ago, and I quit doing things with them, and the weather changed, and they were just that spider 
night is it's vibrant green, and I was telling you about that. But the update now is I want to let you know is I just let them alone, and now I got a crop of thorns. They're super green. They're producing so many flowers. I got other plants that are full, and they're just, they got flowers on them. I got even uh, evergreens in pots that I've left alone, and they are just full of green leaves. I just want to let you give you an update on that. You know, Lee, that kind of is telling me that you're killing your plants with kindness. If you're if you're not watering them, if you're what rain you got is all you use and the pots are draining properly and things like that, you'll see it because now they're looking better, right? They may have yes, started to, they may have started to fade or uh not produce like you want them to in terms of blooms because they had too much water. They weren't draining or something like that. It's really funny how well a plant can take care of itself and we feel we need to do things to it. And in reality, we're, we're killing it with kindness. Sometimes neglect will make your plants look so much better. Well, I mean, I, like I said, the last time I talked to you, I learned something, and I just want to give you an update. I mean, they just, it's, oh, my God, they're, so my whole patio is just vibrant green with, and then flowers everywhere. Oh, my God. Wow, excellent. Ex at this time of the year, we need this. We need the, the brightness, some flowers, some plants just excelling because we're stuck inside in the cold. This really, really helps uh, cheer us all up. I'm glad they started coming back for you, Lee. Oh, they did. I want to thank you again. And I listen to your show, Tom. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you're more than welcome. Uh, thank you for the call to keep us updated. Uh, I hope you have a, a good year coming up here. All right. Well, let me hear. Thank you. Bye-bye. Folks, this is this is really not uncommon. When we have a container plant, okay, we really should not be watering it the same way all year long. Even if you have perfect well-drained soil, all of that, you have to remember the temperatures affect the water needs of the plant. In other words, when it's really hot, you may have to go out there and water as much as every day. Even with perfect soil that drains well and all of that, the plant may need that water. But as we cool off, we have to adjust. Maybe it doesn't need as much now. Too much water will really, really cause you a problem. The leaves can turn yellow. The plant can grow really tall stems that don't seem to have a lot of leaves on them. They can stop blooming, things like that. So the plants adjust to nature. We need to do the same. Again, if you don't know if your plant needs to be watered, 
stick your fingers in the dirt. Now, part of the problem with a container plant is that you could stick your hands in there and it'd be bone dry. But at the drainage hole at the bottom, hopefully you have a drainage hole, it could be a muddy swamp. And the roots reach down there. Part of that can happen when it is uh, pot bound, when the roots are just so dense that the plant's really not draining. One thing you can do to help check if there's water nice and deep, take a bamboo barbecue skewer. You get them at the grocery store, they're about 12 inches long. Halfway between the trunk and the edge of the pot, stick that skewer down as deep as you can and still be able to you know, leave a little nub so you can pull it out. Leave it in there about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then pull it out. You will see where the water line is on that skewer. And that can tell you, is the pot really dry or is the bottom not draining? Once you know, you can figure out what to do after that. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're taking a break for the news at the top of the hour. We'll be right back. 